www.brfcs.com. By the fans. For the fans. Since 1996. Welcome to BRFCS podcast number 51. I'm Wen Waihu, the BRFCS editor. Last week, after the home defeat to Cardiff City, we had Philip L on podcast 50 to discuss the club accounts. This week, we'll be talking about footballing matters, including the Blackpool match, and one or two issues, including global advisor Shebby Singh's appearance on BBC Lancashire last Wednesday in a Q&A session with Rovers fans. Uh, with me in the virtual studio today is news editor Paul. Uh, hello, Paul. How are you? Morning, Wen. I'm very well. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad at all. Uh, I believe it's a glorious day in Lancashire. It's absolutely fabulous, and uh, I really think I should be out on my bicycle rather than talking about football, but there we are. <laughs> well, it's the love of your life that you're talking about. So, Yeah, and yeah. then there's the cycling as well, you know. There's, there's the cycling, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I believe that you went along to the Blackpool match yesterday. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, how was it? Good match, despite the defeat, two 0 defeat. It, well, it wasn't. It wasn't a particularly great match, but equally, it wasn't a bad game. It was really pretty average, I think. Um, we had a good afternoon out um, due to a number of things, not least uh, the attitude of the Blackpool stewards. And I really want to make a mention for them uh, right from the word go. Uh, as most people know, I go along to the football with my son, Tom, who's disabled. And uh, as we approached the ground, a steward spotted us and uh, directed us to the right gate. Then there was another lady there with a mobile um, bar scanner who checked our tickets, took us inside the ground, introduced us to another steward. And then that steward took us directly to our seats. Then when it was realised we couldn't see because everybody was stood up in front of us, uh, I asked if we could be moved and we were taken to the press seats and sat there um, right over the halfway line. So I was I was really, really impressed with the way Blackpool stewards were, were working on that day and um, I think it's great and they really deserve some praise for that. Excellent, excellent. So at first you were, you were put in uh, with the Rovers fans? Yeah, at first we were in with the Rovers fans um, as we were in, I think, what, Road J, and of course, as is usual with a big away following, the vast majority of people were stood up, so we really couldn't see what was going on. Um, and then we just got moved uh, across to the centre line, um, which just to one side of the Rovers fans, only, you know, sort of five or six feet away, uh, and then and sat in the uh, seats reserved for the press. Great, great. Yeah, is that the uh, the stand along the? That's the east stand. It's the you know the temporary one, the one that bounces yeah. up and down whenever Rovers score, but it yeah. didn't yesterday. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It used to be uh, a shed along there that they used to have, and opposite was uh, something that looked like a, uh, it had been built for a Subutio match. Uh, did you ever go back in the seventies? Yeah, that's my memory of it. I, I, I can recall that. I mean, you know, Bloomfield Road was a very, very run-down place then. And uh, really, Blackpool have got a very nice little stadium now. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's a good place to go as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, great, great. The, the match itself, uh, Robbo had been dropped. That was the big talking point uh, immediately ahead of the match. Uh, Jake Keane had been brought in uh, to play, I think, his second match. Um what uh, what did you make of that change? Well, I knew nothing about it until the players came out onto the pitch, so I was I was quite surprised. Um, 
I suppose, given a lot of the comments has been about Robbo over the last few weeks, his, his weight and maybe his slowness in getting down to certain shots, um, perhaps it wasn't a complete surprise. Uh, I didn't know anything about Jake Keane prior to the game, so I was obviously interested to see how he got on. Um, he didn't have a great deal to do, made two or three you know, reasonable, competent saves. Uh, he wasn't at fault for either of the goals. Um, so, yeah, you know, overall it was a reasonable performance from him. Yeah, that's good to hear. Robbo may be uh, in, in danger of uh, losing not only his place, but uh, his position at Blackburn Rovers if, uh, uh, if the uh, Brad Friedel rumours uh, surface again. Yeah, I mean, I've not heard any of those rumours since they were around, what, I suppose, four weeks ago. Um, whether or not anything happens, I don't know. Uh, I, th- I still feel that Robinson's given us what, four or five years of very, very good service. I was quite surprised when he was dropped yesterday. Um, and I'd be disappointed to see him leave the club because he's one of the few players who I feel has really got our best interests at heart. Yeah, yeah. Now, in the defence, uh, Jive came back in. Uh, there's been a lot of talk about this. Uh, Jive and uh, Vukcevic, Simon Vukcevic. Uh, they'd been left out of the side for so long, and uh, two, you know, hi- highly experienced and very competent footballers uh, left out of the side. They both came back in yesterday. Uh, Jive was at the heart of defence, uh, replacing Grant Hanley, uh, so he was paired with uh, Scott Dan. Um, there were suggestions that uh, the central defensive partnership was to to blame for both of the goals. Um, First of all, how did Jive look? Um, how did he look? Well, yeah, I mean, he, he looked pretty much like the Jive that we expect. You know, he appeared to be fit in good condition um, and, and, you know, putting everything that we expect to see from him in the game. Um, having said that, you've got to acknowledge the fact that both Blackpool's goals were scored from completely free headers. Um, I've read some people saying Jive was to blame for both. I think he was certainly to blame for the second. I'm less sure about the first, but um, you know, both their goals were from completely free headers, so you have to be asking what were the central defenders doing. Yeah, The first one uh, was right between Jivet and uh, Dan, neither of them picking up uh, uh, the score, is that right? That's right, yes. Um, so, you know, whether it's Dan's fault or whether it's Jive's fault is a mute point. Um, the, the concern has got to be that there's two very experienced centre-halves there and neither of them were ready to pick up that, that cross. Uh, it wasn't a particularly challenging ball into the box. Um, and, the you know, I think it was Thomas who scored. He just had a completely free header. You might question perhaps Jake Keane should have gone down. He didn't move for it at all. You know, you might have expected him to to, to at least try. But I suppose from his view, he was probably beaten all ends up from the moment the player headed it. Mm, yeah. And uh, the second goal, um, what, uh, what actually happened for that? The second goal was to a large extent obliterated by one of these wonderful um, huge poles that uh, Blackpool have in, you know, in oh. their stand. Uh, restricted um, views. I think that would be the word, yes, restricted. Mm. <laughs> uh, you can see the, we could see the uh, end which Rovers were attacking in the second half, can't think what it's called now, but we couldn't see the opposite end terribly clearly. Um, what was very apparent was that the Blackpool player who scored was completely unmarked 
Um, and he was on Jive's side of the defence. So I think, for me, I have to agree with the people who are saying it was completely his fault because he was unmarked. Jive was nowhere near him. But I couldn't really see the ball that came into the box in the first place. But uh, it sounded like we didn't actually have that much to do defensively uh, apart from, from the goals. No, I suppose the last 10 or 15 minutes they put us under quite a lot of pressure. Um, but Jake King didn't really have a great deal to do. Uh, it was a strange match in that sense in that I didn't feel either side created a lot of opportunities. Um, so, yeah, the defence wasn't heavily pressured. We just completely failed to deliver, you know, to deal with a couple of good balls into the box. Yeah. Now, Vukcevic uh, came back into the side and uh, he seemed to have had a pretty decent first half from reports. Um, he'd uh, got a, a volley, hit the post, I believe, and he was looking pretty lively, I, I think. Um, again, the one that hit the post, a lot of my view of that was obliterated. <laughs> it, the speed at which the ball hit the post it was that it rolled against the post. It certainly wasn't a volley that hit the post. Um, so, but I couldn't see who struck it. All I saw was the ball suddenly rolling against the base of the right-hand post as you, uh, as you look at it. And I mean, I thought we were going to score and then it just clipped the post and, and, and came out again. But, uh, did, did he look pretty lively? There were several occasions when we saw the surging runs that certainly I've come to associate with Vukovic from the very small number of games I've seen him play. Uh, he looked fit. He looked enthusiastic. Um, yeah, overall, I think happy with his his contribution. Uh, certainly, wouldn't be a player I'd criticise on the basis of yesterday. Yeah, good. And it sounded like uh, first half uh, we we made a, a pretty good fist of it. I I couldn't agree with that. When really? um, no, not really. I thought maybe the first fifteen or twenty minutes. I thought, yeah, this is this is quite comfortable. Um, then for me, after Blackpool scored, there was only going to be one result. I, I didn't think we were going to get back into the game at all. Um, whether that's because of the way we were playing or just because of the way things have been going in the last seven or eight games, um, I'm not sure. But I once Blackpool scored, I thought that was it. Game over. Yeah, yeah. Dear, dear, dear. Before that, uh, uh, Jordan Rhodes had a pretty good chance, I believe. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you know, that first 15 or 20 minutes, we were playing well. Um, uh, we were passing the ball well. Uh, the players seemed to be moving quite freely. I wouldn't say they were creating a great deal of space, but they were, you know, they were moving around the pitch freely. Uh, there were opportunities, you know, for, for players to pass to one another. Um, and the passing was, generally speaking, accurate. Uh, after that, it sort of there didn't seem to be a great deal of purpose to our game. Um, it, it was as though the Blackpool had a game plan. Rovers had a game plan. Blackpool came out and scored and, of course, uh, stuck to their game plan because they were really, you know, in the ascendancy. And Rovers didn't seem to have the ability to, um, to change their game plan to, um, what's the word, to respond to the way Blackpool were playing. Right, yeah. Uh, central midfield has been a, a problem for quite some time now. It's not just this season. But uh, Jason Law was uh, uh, partnering uh, Etuhu. Danny Murphy's still out injured. 
Um, it's, it seems to me that it's not uh, not the the best combination that you could ask for, uh, even in the championship. Uh, Etu, who's coming under all kinds of pressure from from uh, uh, fans uh, who don't really rate his uh, lack of mobility, uh, nor his uh, lack of ability to to pass the ball. Um, which uh, which view of Etu who do you have? Well, I'd add to those two lacks and put in a third one, and that's the ability to put in a tackle. Um, one of the great things about being at Bloomfield Road is that you're, you're really, really close to the players, and I always find that a, a really exciting view of the game. Um, and there were several occasions when, for a man of Etuzu's size, you know, um, he goes in for a tackle, you would expect him to be leaving the opposition player really knowing about that tackle. And that certainly wasn't the case yesterday. Mm. It's quite disturbing uh, that uh, you know we, we've got a power puff uh, central midfield. It's been a problem for years, though, hasn't yeah, it? I mean, yeah. It's been a difficulty for a long, long time. Um, and at the moment, we desperately need a player in there who will dominate, who will command, who will put in a tackle and let the opposition know that they're in for a game. I know it's a very old-fashioned view, but... You know, there's nothing wrong with putting in some good hard tackles in the first five minutes of a match just to say, you know, don't think you're going to get away with this one. We're going to give you a game. Yeah, too right. Yeah, since uh, under Hughes with uh, Robbie Savage, uh, uh, that that really high high tempo pressing game, um, we, we've struggled it a bit since uh, since Robbie. Uh, I was going to say since he lost his legs. I suppose that's a fair comment, though, isn't it? Yeah, I think it's a fair comment, and um, I think we'd all probably give our right arms to see Robbie Savage back at Rovers at the moment, just for the, you know, the the tempo he brings for the game, the the passion and the the challenges. Not the greatest footballer you've ever seen, but you really couldn't ever um, criticise his commitment to, to to the game, to the team. Yeah, yeah. Now, um, Adam Henley has signed a new contract to uh, June twenty seventeen. Uh, he's come into the team and made the right back slot his own. Which side did the crosses come in? Did did he manage okay yesterday? Um, yes, both of the crosses came from the Blackpool left. So does that yeah. answer your question? Yeah, yeah, that's what I was getting at. <laughs> uh, so, but uh, was it uh, you know because uh, he wasn't closing down, wasn't? Uh, given uh, enough uh, backup from his uh, midfield or lack of experience, what what did I think? You've got to accept that in any game, your fullbacks are going to get beaten at some point, and crosses are going to come into the box, uh, and that is the point when you're looking for your central defenders to deal with them. You cannot expect um, you know your fullbacks to deal with every single uh, attack that comes at them. So I wouldn't hold Henley. Uh, I wouldn't hold him responsible for either of the goals. Um, but because he, overall he had a, a reasonable game, uh, no problem. That's good to hear. Um, now up front uh, on the wide left, um, we uh, we had uh, Joshua King. Uh, he got booked uh, for a rather uh, silly foul, I believe. Um, how did uh, how did he look uh, on the day? Um, he didn't really stand out at all. I think the thing that I remember most of all is that, um, yeah, he got booked for a silly, petulant foul because uh, a ball hadn't gone his way maybe, you know, 30 seconds or a minute earlier. There were a few occasions when he showed some good turns of speed, um, but it 
it wasn't overly impressive for me. Yeah. The player who did, I feel, have a real impact was um, Kazim Richards. I mean, I you know there were some lovely, lovely bits of play from him, um, and he he was creating some some good opportunities for us up front. Yeah. Or the beginnings of some good opportunities. His play didn't necessarily lead to a direct goal-scoring opportunity, but it was, you know, with the, with the right players coming in behind him to pick up the balls and space he was creating, that it, it should have given us some some very good chances on goal. Yeah. Now, um, coming up, we've got the January transfer window. Um, now, we've had a comment uh, this past week or so that uh, Henningberg. Uh, is is going to be reviewing the situation um, now. You were at the Shebby Singh Q and A at uh, Radio Lanx in in the week. But what was Shebby saying about uh, the transfer window? Well, for me, it's all completely contradictory. Um, I, I left that Q and A thinking, where on earth are we going with the, the transfer window, building the team, etc. Because we had a statement from Shebby that um, he's not received any transfer list uh, for, for discussion from Berg. Um, we've only got two weeks to go till the window opens. That suggests we haven't even begun to identify players. Shebby also went on to say how you know what we're trying to do at Rovers is to build a core to the team around um, which we can then develop the whole team. I don't have any argument with that. And he used Manchester United as an example, and it's a very good example. While he, it was clearly an example, not a comparison with Manchester United. Um, so that's fine. And then he went on to say that, of course, you know, if Henning doesn't come up with a transfer list, that implies that he's happy with the squad he's got. I find that hard to believe. And then we also had the comment that. We have to give Henningberg time to build a team. So you put all of those things together and you have to say all of them contradict each other. Because if we don't have a transfer list, if we don't have a target list, how on earth can we look to build a team around a, a core of players which we are trying to develop? It's uh, very Venkis like isn't it? certainly is, yes. Amazing, amazing. So... Um, in terms of requirements, I mean, we just talked about Powderpuff uh, midfield. Uh, you would like to think that we've got uh, someone in mind for the for for the central midfield positions, wouldn't you? Well, I would hope we've got somebody in mind for central midfield. Um, I would hope that we have, uh, you know, we're looking to maybe shore up the central defence with a, an experienced, hard-working, hard-tackling uh, central defender. And I think that we need to be looking to have uh, more direct players uh, coming out of midfield to support uh, Jordan Rhodes. Because while he does get support from, from the midfield, um, it isn't enough. And it's very often with from young, inexperienced players who aren't terribly good with their final ball. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, Jordan Rhodes uh, sounds to be uh, absolutely sensational in, in and around the box. Uh, give him service, but uh, beyond that, he he uh, he seems to be like a duck out of water if uh, if he's not given the ser- service. And uh, you play to your strengths, not your weaknesses, don't you? Uh, we should be yeah, that's right. lo- looking to support him in in every possible way that we can. Whether it's I think that's quite. Flanks, yeah, 
Sorry, Wayne, I didn't mean to interrupt you. I think you're quite right in that. Um, His ability is to score goals, and I don't know what his ratio of goals to chances created is. Um, But given the way Rovers have been playing so far this season, uh, you really can't complain about his his goal-scoring record. Um, He he needs more support. He needs better balls into the box for him to to attack. Hopefully uh, we can do something about this rather quickly. We've only got two weeks to go to the end of the year. End of the month, beginning of uh, the transfer window. So That's hope, right, and yeah. I think you know we, we should be identifying players now. We should have already identified them two or three weeks ago, and there should be moves in the background going on to see whether those players are going to be available in January. Because if we don't sign anybody till the thirty-first of January. Um, you know that's wasted. I think it's five games. Uh, we really ought to have our targets in mind and be looking to get them in the first week of January, so that they can contribute for the whole of the month. Absolutely, yeah. Um, we've uh, had some movement uh, in the back room already. Um, now, everyone will have uh, heard already that Colin Hendry has moved from first team defence coach to uh, reserve team assistant. Uh, he'll be working alongside Gary Boyer. Uh, last week on the podcast, Cammy was suggesting uh, that there were further moves afoot, uh, but uh, those haven't transpired. And uh, Shebby on Wednesday at the Q&A, uh, he, uh, he, he kind of uh, quelled the rumours, uh, I believe. Yes, uh, I don't know a great deal about the r- rumours, um... I happened to be driving past the news agent a few days ago and I saw a headline, um, uh, backroom staff clear out or something along those lines. So I bought a copy of the Telegraph and the headline on the back page was Time to Act, which was sort of indicating that uh, there was a look to, to, you know, to change and reorganise the backroom staff and maybe Berg was you know, looking to bring some people in. Um, Shebby had nothing to say about it at all at the uh, BBC Radio Lanx evening on Wednesday. Uh, just saying that it was you know, up to the manager and that certainly on Wednesday he, he said that he expected to see all the usual staff in the dugout uh, for the Blackpool game and I think that was the case. Yes, um, maybe uh, a little bit of a struggle between uh, Shebby and uh, Henning uh, at the moment but uh, the next week or two should uh, allow us to see what uh, what plays out there. Um now, you, you were at the uh, Q&A uh, on uh, Wednesday. Um, there was a lot of uh, comments on the message board uh, from people who were listening to it live that uh, Shebby was uh, making a fool of himself, um, as, as had been uh, expected in some quarters. Uh, you were actually there live, and uh, you made it quite clear on the forum uh, in the last couple of days that uh, what you heard was basically what you got. Uh, there was no manipulation uh, of questions or uh, of the uh, the audience while, while while you were there. Uh, could you give uh, give your reflections on on the uh, Q and A now? Certainly, it, it was a good evening. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I went along knowing a question that I wanted to ask. Felt very nervous about that, um, but uh, from what I've heard, it came across okay. Uh, so that's a relief. Um, what did you ask? My, uh, what I was basically asking for was that given the financial situation at Rovers and the fact that Shebby had said three times 
before I asked the question that the owners were prepared to financially support the club, I asked him to get a statement from the owners uh, to the fans saying that financial support would be in place uh, for, for the long term mm. and that we'd like that statement within two weeks. Yeah. Now, in response, Chevy said, well, we'll get a statement from the club. And I, you know, I pressed him several times saying, no, you know, we don't want a statement from the club. We want a statement from the owners from India. Yeah. And uh, you're suggesting that he doesn't really understand the difference between the club and the owners. No, he doesn't. I don't think he does see the difference. It's a huge distinction in, in my eyes and I'm sure in the eyes of another 20, 30,000 people in Blackburn. Um, I wish I'd thought quickly enough to make the point, but the, the club belongs to the people who are in the audience. The club belongs to, to people like you when it belongs to the town of Blackburn. It belongs to the supporters. You can spend as much money as you want on buying a football club, but you can never buy what I've got, what you've got, the memories, the history, you know, that all belongs to us. The people who own the club are, are just passing through. Yeah, and uh, you're presumably referring to the, uh, the the purported commitment to put in £5 million per transfer window. No, that's not really what I'm thinking about because um, we need to spend, well, for one thing, we need to spend an awful lot more than £5 million in the next transfer window. What I'm thinking about is that... Uh, the club is reporting an operating loss of 9.8 million, uh, loans of some form or another of 21 million from uh, the Rao family. Uh, there is no reason to suggest that we're not doing anything other than losing maybe, you know, million or more pounds a month uh, this season. Um, so I want to know how on earth all of this is going to be supported financially because I don't believe the Venkis will support it financially. On, on other matters uh, in the evening, uh, what else did uh, Shebby uh, comment on? You, you talked about uh, uh, this uh, um, uh, Manchester United uh, um, thing where, where he was uh, not, not comparing but uh, using Manchester United uh, set up uh, with uh, uh, the likes of Giggs and Beckham and the Neville brothers uh, as, a, as, a, as an example, as a model for, for going forward. Uh, he talked about that. What else did he talk about? Um, well, that little example was was typical of the way that I think you know sometimes his words do get misinterpreted, and that happened on a number of occasions. Um, another one was when he was responding to a question about uh, falling attendances, and he explained that in his view the you know the two types of people come along um, to, to to watch the Rovers. There are those who just simply go because it's the nearest Premier League game to them on a particular day and they want to watch some Premier League football or they think, oh, you know, Rovers are at home to Chelsea this weekend, fancy going to watch that game. Um, and then, you know, his point was that then there is another group of fans. There are the people of Blackburn, and I stress not just from Blackburn, but there are Rovers fans who go to every single game and who are staying away. And those are the people that he needs to get back. They're his, his first target to get back. He wasn't suggesting that, um, you know, if you don't go to, uh, to a game, you're just a football fan and, and not a Rovers fan. Mm. How, how was that taken uh, in the studio? In the studio, people, I think, found that perfectly acceptable. Um, I have the impression that, listeners to the radio didn't find it quite so acceptable because I think they missed the distinction. 
And I suspect it's a difficulty with a radio broadcast in that, you know, quite often, you know, body language is missing. And uh, I think that's quite important to all of us when we're trying to get points across. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And um, Shebby, you know, he, he very often uh, shoots from the hip, shall, shall we say. Um, was he more circumspect uh, on Wednesday when he was talking? Yeah, there was no shooting from the hip um, and there was certainly no repeat of some of the things that, you know, or the examples that we heard at King George's Hall, for example. Um, yeah. Nothing like that. He was he was very measured, uh, I think, in what he was saying. Um, there, were, there was quite a lot of occasions when really he deflected the question um, by, you know, trying to take it off in, a, in another direction or, or only answering a part of the question. Um, and, you know, that, that's what you would expect him to do, really, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yes. It's up to the questioners to try and bring him back to the main point of the, of the question. So, yeah, he was, he was much more circumspect, circumspect uh, than on previous occasions. Uh, that's, uh, that's good, good to hear. Now, um, we've, uh, we've already discussed uh, previously about uh, the Rovers Trust um, if we can move on to uh, a quick update on what's happening in, in, in terms of the Rovers Trust. Uh, you spoke to us uh, before the launch of the Trust at the Cathedral in Podcast 48. Uh, you're actually the Supporters Direct Liaison Officer. Uh, last time you were talking to us uh, about the preparations for the Trust launch. Uh, we've not actually heard since the uh, launch as to uh, how it went and uh, uh, what uh, what the latest state of play is. Could you bring us up to date? Uh, just first of all, tell us how it went on the day first. Yeah, I mean, uh, the launch at the cathedral is part of a three-stage process which the Trust has to go through. Um, and uh, the first one was the meeting at Blakey's, which would be some 18 or 20 months ago. Uh, the official launch at the cathedral, uh, what, uh, three weeks ago now, four weeks ago, um, is the second stage. And then the third stage is an AGM and the election of a committee. So this, the launch is very much a part of the whole process. Process um, of what? Well, it, this process is, we have a legally constituted trust. Everything is in place. But you have to go through the three steps I've just described um, as a part of that formation and if for example we were to fail to hold an AGM then supporters direct would be asking questions of us yeah does that make sense yeah certainly does certainly does yeah um so on the day we were pleased with the way everything went uh, we were pleased with the support that we got from uh, you know local dignitaries and, and VIPs uh, there were roughly speaking about a hundred people present at, at the launch um and we had a very good question and answer session after Wayne and Oz had made their presentations to to uh, everybody who was there. Yeah, um, around about a hundred, did you say? Yes, that's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, um, people might look at that figure and say you know, that's indicative of the lack of support you have. Um, but the main thing for the trust is that you actually ha held the event itself, rather than the numbers who turned up. Is, is would that be fair to say? Yes, it is part of the process we have to go through. 
obviously would have been delighted if you know it had been standing room only um but it is primarily a part of the process the launch event has to take place now it would have been very easy for us to have a launch event in a pub somewhere um and then of course uh, you know you could be criticized for doing that because it wouldn't have been high profile enough wouldn't have given people the opportunity to come along so we felt that it was important to be in a central location a big location um and to put forward a a very professional view of the trust and and, and that was our intention on the day and i know that we achieved it yeah good uh, who gave the presentations on the day Wayne Wilde and um, Oz Jones uh, and some also a, a third presentation from Dan Grabko on the financial side. Yeah, good, good. Uh, were there some uh, good questions that came in from the audience? Yeah, there were some very good questions. Um, and that, of course, is what you're looking for all the time, isn't it? You, you, you want questions because that's the best way of explaining things. Because if, if people are asking you a question what it indicates is perhaps the point hasn't been made clearly on our website or in the presentation or, or whatever. And, and by people asking a very specific question, it gives you the, the opportunity to really try to explain an individual point uh, to, to a, not just the audience on the day, but hopefully the audience you know, on, a, on a much wider basis that we're looking to talk to. Yeah. Uh, it also gives you the opportunity uh, as, a, as an individual and also as a group uh, to formulate uh, your policy. Um, the uh, gr groups that are in their um, uh, formative stages uh, are, are always um, developing their ideology or developing their ideas or developing their policy. Uh, and uh, ha having people from outside question you actually helps you in the process of uh, developing uh, whatever it is you're trying to develop, you know, whether it's uh, um, a political party, a religious organisation, or in your your case, a football trust. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'd agree with that very much. Um, the the questions are very important um, because it helps us to focus on the things that are concerning individuals. And it's the old thing, isn't it? You know, you only ever get one person complaining, and I think in the same way, you only ever get one person asking a question, uh, where there may be another nine who are thinking, "I wonder what that's all about." So these questions are, you know, crucial to getting the message across and, and helping us develop the direction and the ideas that we have for the trust. Yeah. yeah. And uh, since since the launch, uh, what, uh, what's been uh, the focus uh, uh, in terms of your activities since then? The focus is very much on membership at the moment. And every single one of the uh, steering group um, are... Uh, devoting their time to really to, to talking to individuals and small groups of people um, about the trust, answering their questions and, uh, you know, looking to persuade them that the trust is a way forward and asking them to sign up because the more numbers we get, the stronger we will become. Yeah. yeah. Well, good luck uh, with your activities. It, uh, ho hopefully uh, you can get ahead of steam up now. I think we will. Um I've got one or two ideas myself, which I don't really want to go into at the moment in case they don't come off. But we have got some ideas um, in place for the new year, which we're developing over the next three or four weeks. And I hope that that will mean that people will see us um, very active out and about in the in the local area. Yeah, good.
So just to round up, uh, do, you, do you have anything further to say on the uh, trust or on the uh, Shebby's Q&A at all? No, I think we've covered most of the things that are happening with the trust at the moment. Um, you know, we are building towards next year and you will definitely be hearing more about the trust uh, when we get into, into the early new year. With regard to the Q&A, um, it demonstrated to me the enormously difficult task that Shebby and Venkis have got in front of them. I think the response to a lot of what was said, which was accepted as being perfectly reasonable in the studio, coming out of the radio at the other end, uh, the response was not positive from the fans. And, and it demonstrates, really, for me, the enormous gap, the huge chasm that there is between uh, Shebby, the owners, and the supporters. And I think, for me, it, that chasm is almost unbridgeable. I think they've got an impossible task ahead of them. And I do therefore feel a little sorry for Shebby in that respect. I'm not an apologist for him. Uh, I've got strong opinions about him the same way as everybody else. But I think he's on a real hiding to nothing. And I think that Q&A last Wednesday demonstrated it. Mm, yeah, interesting. Well, um, if we just round up with uh, one or two bits of news in brief. We've uh, now got a shirt sponsor. Uh, in addition to a sponsor for the Riverside, if you remember RFC Finance, uh, it's a Swindon-based uh, group. Um, I think they're led by a, a Rovers fan. Uh, they've uh, now been joined by a shirt sponsor with a Blackburn connection, uh, ProBiz Excellence. It's a, a wealth management uh, company. Uh, they're headed up by Faisal Nahabu. He's uh, a Blackburn-born lad. Um, I believe that it's a short-term deal and uh, they've got uh, a, a view to medium uh, to long-term deal uh, there. Now, uh, I think that uh, Faisal Nahabu has been involved previously with Castleford in Rugby League and uh, he's now moved on to Featherstone uh, and uh, he's got input there, uh, financial input as well. Um, yeah, when I, yeah. Can I just comment on that? I mean, I... I find this rather strange and a bit mm. contradictory again of what Shebby said. Wednesday night, Shebby said um, there were people trying to get hold of uh, Rover sponsorship for Peanuts, I think was his explanation. And he felt that um, the brand and the Venkis feel the brand is worth much more than they were being offered. Yeah. Then on Saturday, I turn up at Bloomfield Road and I see that we've got a sponsor's name on the shirt. I read a bit more about it on Saturday evening and I discover it's for two matches. Well, how does that all tie in together with value and valuing the brand? I think that's the short-term deal bit. Uh, I, my understanding is that uh, it's going to be on the front of the shirt for a couple of for the two matches, uh, Blackpool and Brighton, and then it'll go on the back of the the shirt. I believe, which, okay, which is rather bizarre. Um, Seems strange to me, yeah. Yeah, mm. um, and I would imagine that it's. Um, a short-term deal over over a, a number of matches, uh, where there'll be presumably probes will be looking at whether it's uh, wor worth you know worth them going into a, a medium-term deal with the club or not. Yeah, um, I suppose that could be the case. Yeah, mm -hmm. but that, as I said, that's only my reading into it. But uh, seems a bit strange that uh, they're going to put the uh, 
the, the, the sponsor on the back of the shirt. Uh, do you know? Do you know of any team that has a, a sponsor on the back of the shirt? I can't think of one. I know there are, there are some teams where they seem to have logos dotted around in different places, but I've never noticed one where they seem to have you know the the high profile sponsor on the back of the shirt. Mm. Might not be a bad thing in some respects. I mean, I really don't like sponsors emblazoned across the shirts. I, mm. I much prefer the shirt to be you know yeah. clean and and so if, if the front remains unadorned and the sponsorship is on the back well that would be a positive thing for me yeah, yeah. Uh, i've only seen the uh, photos and uh, didn't look particularly uh, pleasant to the eye no it, it's not great um but it, it, i didn't think it was terribly visible on saturday uh, you know yesterday um it took me a while to work out who the sponsor was yeah yeah anyway um Greg Corr, who is the head of commercial and marketing at the Rovers now, um, he's uh, obviously doing well to get things moving in very challenging circumstances, having got sponsors for uh, the Riverside and now for the short, short term on the shirt. But, yeah, it's uh, great. We need, we need the money, it don't good. we? It, it is good that we're actually moving uh, in the right direction there. So uh, well done to Greg for that. Uh, we've got uh, upcoming matches against Brighton next Saturday, and then uh, we're at uh, Borough away for the Boxing Day match. So uh, we look forward to talking about those games. Uh, next week, uh, we've already planned for a follow-up discussion of the accounts, as it's such an important issue, so watch out for that. Uh, just like to point out, we've, we've a correction to the information given in last week's podcast. Philip uh, L suggested that Shebby Singh's um, earnings would be declared in the next accounts as he's the highest uh, earner working at the Rovers. But that won't be the case as Shebby's an employee of uh, the Venkis in India, I believe. So he doesn't figure in the accounts of Venkis London Limited or Blackburn Rovers Football Club. Uh, just like to say uh, thanks to Glenn Mullen for pointing that out to us on the forum last week. So we look forward to uh, having you all with us again next week. Uh, Paul, thanks ever so much for coming on today. Yeah, it's always a pleasure to be on when I thoroughly enjoy these and I you know, hope people finding it interesting. Um, I'm looking forward uh, to going to Brighton next Saturday. Uh, I know that always seems a surprise that we're looking forward to games still, but yeah, I am looking forward to being down at Ewood next Saturday. Great, good. Well, look forward to talking to you in the near future. Uh, thanks ever so much. And uh, thanks ever so much to everyone listening in, uh, wherever you are in the world. Uh, do take care, and uh, we'll be with you soon again. Thank you very much.